Well, th- hey, thanks for that, uh, that slam dunk that you threw down on me there a, a month or so ago. I mean, does anybody, like, look at a sunset, like, on a beautiful day? What is that cat doing? Uh, Jim is doing that swooshy thing again. I already gave him a little bit of shit. Am I allowed to say shit? I gave him a little bit of shit. And welcome to episode 51 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam C. McKinnon, joined as often by my co-host, the Statmaster General, Jim Passon Jr. Jim. Hey, hey, hey. I'm up 25 pounds or whatever from this weekend. How about you? <laughs> yeah, about right? about the same, man. We did the we did the um we did the roast chicken this year instead of the roast turkey um due to some last minute you know, COVID related preparations we had to do turkeys, not necessarily on the menu. So we did, uh, we did the chicken and I, anyone who didn't do this, I recommend it. I recommend it. Heck yeah. Nice. Yeah. We stuck with our, uh, typical Thanksgiving tradition, uh, avoiding, uh, the rest of the family and, uh, and eating steak, right? It, we do that every year. Really? So. That's, yeah. an, you know, but, and the good thing is this year, the avoiding the family is like baked in. No pun intended to the to the holiday, given the circumstances. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was a. It's probably a. It's a real win if you're trying to avoid family. Yeah. So you know that's yeah. What I know they're thing. not. I know they're not listening, but I love them anyway. I love y'all. <laughs> you are listening, but uh, yeah, no, nah, it was really easy to avoid them this year. They wouldn't let me go anywhere. Right there, you go. It, it was state mandated family avoidance. Which yeah, what which it. my fam I think my family does listen to this so that was that was strictly state mandated not by choice would have loved to have you guys here, but um so Jimmy uh it, it is the season my dude it's not just oh. Christmas it's it's Hall of Fame season man that that spot after the World Series but before the winter meetings that are going to be virtual this year yeah so yeah uh one of my favorite times to be upset and angry at every time I. Look at Ryan Thibodeau's tweets and everything yeah. else. That so, can I can I, I mean, tell you, you know how I feel about the uh, single issue voters um, this year. <laughs> so you can imagine the 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 rage that that coursed through me when I saw a zero zero <sighs> issue vote. You know this wasn't even on our notes, but I need no. to just rant about this for a second because you know I've been. I've, I've been, you know, I've had a lot of changes in, in the day life, not a lot of time to write as much as I'd like to. So this is my platform to, to vent for a second. Jimmy, you are a BBWAA member. You're kind of like the nerd version of a player at this point, like, cause you're doing something that we all want to do. You're doing something we aspire to do. Okay. Yep. And you just, uh, just, just abuse that privilege. It's an abusive privilege to submit a zero Hall of Fame ballot. I get it. If Dan Heron was the best pitcher on this ballot, cool. Okay, man. If Nick Swisher was the best outfielder and first baseman on this, fine. Okay. I get it. Make your little statement. But by God, it's not just one of them. It's two. We're not even out of November yet. And we've got two blank ballots. Yeah. Like, I, I got to tell you, 
I went out of my way to message one of these guys. Okay. (laughs) I went out of my way to message one of these guys. Hey, I'd love to have a constructive conversation about this. I want to know more about your reasoning. I really tried to diplomat it. But, you know, I had about a minute where he didn't respond. And I was just like, you know what? I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You know, it's it's I, 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 I mean, I look at the ballot. And I I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to make a I'm trying to make a case to leave people off of my ballot if I got a ballot. Right. But just staring at this ballot and trying to just imagine that two people have already turned in blank ballots just to turn in ballots, I guess. Right. Uh and not be able to check names off the list, right? I mean, the the I mean, self-aggrandizing I arrogance. Like I, I can't even. That may even be redundant, but like just, I can't. I can't imagine, man. I just. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I mean, you can have an excuse. For, I mean, for you know Barry Bonds, right? I mean, everybody. Lots of people got excuses. That's right. So I still yeah, on the right, ballot, right? Right. I, the excuse is already built in, right? But I mean. Go ahead and use that excuse, but if you can't find another Hall of Famer on this ballot, I don't. I mean, that doesn't have a steroid problem or anything, right? Or the issues or anything off the field issues and stuff. If you can still look at this ballot and turn in a zero ballot, despite being just against PDs and against off-field issues where you know people say sh- terrible fucking things. Uh, and you can't, you still can't get around and realizing that the whole damn time you watch Scott Rowland play, that he probably wasn't on PED. <laughs> right. He probably wasn't fucking beating up people at home when he got out. And he wasn't an asshole. Right. I mean, and you couldn't check that box. You couldn't even check that box. You're not watching baseball. Right. I mean, I mean, you're not watching Major League Baseball. I don't know what the hell you're watching. I mean, you got a vote. But if you're turning in a blank ballot and you can't even get to Rowland's name and be like, Hey man, that was a Hall of Fame career. Seventy War guy played like crazy. He was great on defense. He was always good. Uh, just I question your judgment, man. I question <laughs> your judgment. You're doing it. There's you. You don't do it right. You don't do it for any other reason than to make a statement. And what statement are you making by doing that? Yeah, that, that I don't care about the next three people that vote. That got to make up for my terrible ballot, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really what it ends up being is that not only am I being a dick to the players that had these careers that are hall of fame worthy or at least hall of fame talkable right i mean we could talk about them if they're right at least they deserve discussion yeah instead just lift your nose and be like ah screw you and the next three guys i gotta vote for all these players that work their asses off to get on this ballot so they had a chance for cooperstown who am i i'm michael hunt you're right. Of course. <laughs> because of course you are. Because of course, of course you, you are. are. I we're uh, we're not gonna monopolize the this show with the buffoonery that is these writers. If they if these writers happen to listen to the show, which they don't, but if they, they do, I, I will they're not going to listen to this show. They don't even watch baseball. <laughs> they're going to listen to a baseball. Podcast. We should, you know, they're listening to romantic about cricket or some right, some yeah. romantic about rounders or whatever. I mean, the even hell. if they watch cricket, they they probably figured out that Rollins and Hall of Famer when they watch right. a little bit of baseball. <laughs> I mean, just they don't. They don't watch baseball. I don't know what. I mean, uh, that or they really only need like twelve people in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, yeah, got to have a hundred war and. 500 dingers to get in and if you're a pitcher you better have an era under two 
Right. Oh, you better be Walter Walter oh. Friggin Johnson. Yeah, the, that's it. The the big thing is so. Um, all right, breathe. Yeah, rant. Rant, rant aside. Rant aside. So I'll be I'll be back next year with yeah. the same rant. <laughs> we will be. <laughs> so the big thing is is that. So this year we we are um, going to uh, pick apart my um, and I say our but you know because I, I welcome your input. You even turned one of my votes today. Um, it, my IBWAA um, uh, Hall of Fame ballot. We get one every year, and uh, I will you know if you want to know who is on the ballot, um, it's the same as the BBWAA, with the exception of the presence of Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, who were already voted in. Uh, we have actually, you know, the, the, um, society, if you will, association has actually zero influence on actual real life. It's just, you know, we're, it's something we like to do. Yeah. I just figured next year, probably the IBWAA isn't really going to do a hall of fame vote. They're just going to go back and decide if they really want to take Clemens and Bonds out and put them <laughs> back on the ballot. We're going to have a, re- an, a retraction vote. <laughs> Just a full year. If they don't get, I don't know, if they don't get 90% of the vote, they have to leave or something. Right. They're going to have an impeachment. Yeah, they get three more years on the ballot. That's it or whatever. Something. I don't know. I mean, right. Thankfully, the the IBWA ain't got the problem. Right. We BBWA has. Yeah. Funny, funny how that works. So um, what we're going to do today is um, before we go to break, we're going to take the um we're going to sort of whittle this ballot down and then after the break we're going to actually talk about the votes the players who got votes so um the first part is the easy part let's let's just whittle out the players who um don't have a case or maybe they don't have a case right now and uh for me those players were uh Michael Kadire, Dan Heron, AJ Burnett, Aramis Ramirez, Latroy Hawkins, Shane Victorino, Nick Swisher, Barry Zito, and Tory Hunter. That doesn't mean that they're bad players. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't vote for Tory Hunter at some point. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it just means that in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that these guys are um worthy of much more Hall of Fame debate. Agree or disagree on those names, Jim? Right. Tory Hunter to me is somebody that I'm more than willing to debate a little bit about on that list of yours. Um, eh, other than that, I mean, give me LaTroy Hawkins, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, to, to me, uh, I could debate a little bit about LaTroy Hawkins just, just because of his role, right? I mean... Yeah, mostly middle reliever, unfortunately. So the saves aren't there. The finishes aren't there. Right. Uh, that reliability is there. But, I mean, this is a guy that's got, a, I mean, what, an over four ERA. But, I mean, he'd have – his ERA would be over one less if if he just relief pitched his entire career, right? I mean, it, it goes to show the old failed starter turns into a reliever type of thing and everything sure. else. Okay. Well, now you can limit the amount of pitches that he's got to throw, limited the arsenal that he's got to use, everything like that. But I mean, this guy was serviceable for 21 seasons. I don't think he's, I think he pitched at the age of 22 when he started. So it wasn't like he was 18 or 19 when he first got his cannon up into the majors. So, uh, Latroy Hawkins to me is one guy I could talk about. Do I, put up on my ballot no right so right but yeah 
but Torrey Hunter's the other one on your list that I would probably debate with for sure. But the rest of these guys, I mean, Kadai are cool. Dan Heron, funny as hell on the internet. AJ Burnett, that's a pretty crazy guy. Uh, Aramis <laughs> Ramirez, I mean, I, I remember him being, I remember a time, like a short period of time where Aramis Ramirez was like a kind of a premier third base, like an elite level third baseman. And, but, but it was a very, I remember it being very, very short lived and a very quiet peak. Yeah, yeah, like it was a uh, yeah, quick to the point and then gone, right? Yep. So, yeah, left <clears throat> left a mark on a lot of us that like baseball. Left a mark on the fantasy baseball people, right? Yes. Uh, for sure, just because of the numbers that he was pouring in there for a couple of years. So, I okay, yeah, I get why people love him and that Hall of Famer, uh, the Flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino, great man, clubhouse guy, cool guy. Yeah, right, love it now. And Nick Swisher, same thing, right? Like, I mean, the guy's like somebody that you'd probably like, man, you show up to a party and there are like 40 people there. He's the first guy you're trying to probably, you know, get with, right? Like, right. hey, man, let's, let's hang with this guy. Cool as hell, it seems like, but not a Hall of Famer. So great group of guys, it sounds like, but. Yeah, just not, nothing there. Nothing there in terms of, you know, taking up space or votes on a ballot, in my opinion. No, nah, no. Nah, yeah, I mean. More than welcome into the hall of uh, hall of good to very good. There you go. So, the so there was a couple players though that I did want to want to debate a little, or at least talk a little bit about because they're ones that I didn't vote for, but I think warrant a, a warrant more of a discussion. Now, Tory Hunter is in this group as well because there was no way I, I could vote for Tory Hunter this year. But there's a case I think for Tory Hunter going forward, but it hinges for me on Andrew Jones because. In, in my, you know, just looking back at it, Tory Hunter is, needs Andrew Jones to get into the hall to have, to have a chance of even a discussion. I don't think he's on that level because Andrew Jones was such an outlier in, in how, in his defensive metrics and his offensive metrics were good enough to back it up. I think that, um, I, I want to give Tory Hunter more of his due, but I think his case is entirely like everything I go to with him. I'm like, yeah, but if Andrew can't get in, then Tory can't get in. You know what I mean? So, so that was my thing with Tory Hunter. Um, uh, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on on Tory uh, in general, like, but I feel like it starts and ends with Andrew getting in. Yeah, right. I mean, it. I mean. Getting getting Tory some votes would probably do a little bit of help for Andrew. Andrew's probably the reason why Tory will get a few votes. Uh, I see this guy as potential five percenter, right? I mean, he he could or could not be on the right side of that five percent. It's gonna, I think, come pretty close. Uh, he's fairly consistent, right? I mean, when you kind of look at his numbers and you stare at his Baseball Reference page, he. Kind of reminds you of a different version of, you know, like a Larry Walker page, right? It's not a page that's got just a bunch of outstanding crazy numbers where he's playing 162 games a year. I mean, this is a, a guy that's 135 to 150 games every season, right? He's not playing 150 to 160 every season. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the guy's just steadily posting, you know, seasons with around 60 extra base hits, 25 dingers and 25 or 30 doubles, right? 35 doubles besides playing that great defense and, in, in you know, a really not a great ballpark. I didn't right. think, um, uh, it's, it 
just posting, you know, the solid numbers. I mean, was he outstanding? Nah, no, but entertaining as all heck. Yeah, I mean, for sure he was, right? He's just a, I mean, for some of us that didn't get to see, I mean, some of us that didn't get to see maybe a, a generation earlier, I'm trying to think of a good comp for it, um, maybe 10 years earlier, center fielder that you know flash good numbers i mean I, bernie I williams or somebody you know right i mean just the, the i mean we got to, you know i mean for, for some of us tory hunter was you know a guy that we got to focus on because he was something that we grew up around and we got right. used to seeing him in minnesota and then eventually in la and then over to detroit and constantly an mvp constantly in the gold glove talk and and deservedly so he just seemed like he was always bouncing off the bag you to catch a ball so um yeah i mean he just i mean it doesn't feel like i watched a hall of famer it feels like i watched a damn near hall of famer when i watched tory hunter i guess um where with andrew jones i mean i i just flat out watched somebody that can play the best defense in center field ever right it just just feels like hall of fame worthy well when you're when you're a player like tory or even a player like andrew you know you need an outlier you need something that carries you so far like you and especially for glove first players and i think someone like mark simon a friend of the show would agree when you're making your case based on defense and you're a, a you're an outfielder in particular, mm-hmm. you you need outline. You need to be way on the extreme percentiles to really jump out. If you're a good but not great hitter, yep. an infielder can get away with being a bad hitter and a great fielder, a la Omar Vizquel, Mark Belanger, uh, you know, Ozzie Smith. You know, they can get away with that. You can't. You have to be a decent hitter to be an outfielder. I, I feel like that's pretty much undebatable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for somebody like Tory Hunter, I mean, twenty four hundred hits. Uh, I mean, he was hitting three hundred. I mean, I mean, his batting average is batting average, but he was hitting three hundred towards the end of his career, right? right. I mean, He's a solid a, player. Yeah, he wasn't a spring chicken when he was still popping three hundred in, in L.A. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah, um, it's, it's gonna un- be a tough. It's a tough sale for him, and 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 really, I think even if Andrew Jones gets in it doesn't set the bar low enough to try to get somebody like Tory Hunter in. getting Tory Hunter in what's setting the bar. I think for Andrew Jones, in my eyes, I don't think Andrew Jones, should he be in before Tory Hunter? Yes. Uh, will Andrew Jones help Tory Hunter's cause? Nah, Not, I, mean, I don't think, think enough. I don't think it will nah. enough. Nah, I think you got a better chance of using Omar Vizquel as your case to get Tory Hunter in. Yeah. There's some comparison there. I think, Um, so, uh, so the other, the other debate that I had, and I think these were two guys I left off my ballot, but I think are worth talking about. And and this is kind of a theme with me with it. When you have a weaker class, when you don't have the, the Jeter, Mariano Rivera, the Chipper Jones, the Ken Griffey juniors, the sort of standouts on your class, people tend to get put into buckets. At least uh, that's what I think. So I look at these, there's two in particular contact pitchers here. Neither case is slam dunk. They're always going to be bottom of the votes, but do they get those bottom votes? And those are uh, Tim Hudson and Mark Burley. So just real quick, like 
my my case is that you can't vote for one without the other. And do you really want to burn two votes for the same picture? Because Tim Hudson, you got 31, uh, 33,126 innings pitched, 2,080 strikeouts, and a 120 ERA+. Plus. It, it evens out to about 57.9 baseball reference war. Mark Burley, 3,283 innings pitched, so he's got him by about 140, 160 innings, right? Yep. Um, he struck out about, you know, um, about a hundred and I'm not doing the math off the top of my head here. So like 200, 200 batters less. Okay. So eight, 1,870 strikeouts than Hudson. 117 ERA plus, uh, but somehow ends up with a 59.1 baseball reference war, probably from eating a lot of innings. So, yeah. so my question becomes, can you vote, kind of like what I was saying earlier, can you vote for both? Can you vote for one without the other? Because I don't think you can. Do you burn two votes for the same pitcher, even though I think these guys both have kind of arguable cases? I, I mean, they, they, they are ridiculously similar. Uh, I mean, not so much the same pitcher yeah contact pitchers hey it's just different roads right i mean just totally different roads for these guys with you know i mean i think a hudson you know with Mulder and zito when he gets started and moving over to atlanta and, and having some good times over there um but but he did still didn't win his but he well, he won a championship but it was his last right last uh draw there in san francisco um that got him to where he was at, where Burley, you know, kind of helped make the the 05 White Sox who they were. And uh, gosh, man, the, the totals are ridiculously similar. Um, Burley separates himself with the pickoff move. I mean, he's, he was ridiculous there. The the play that he made that's always being replayed where he's flipping the ball. Between right, the of course ball in his glove and stuff i mean uh the the perfect game uh is on burley's list right um instead of hudson's list um both an all-star five four times burley yeah the four gold gloves for burley it did yeah i mean it's really it's it's voting yeah for one it's almost like voting for the other there's really I mean, did you feel like you watched a Hall of Fame pitcher when you watched one of these two guys? So bias aside, I feel like with Hudson, Hudson, you got more of that intangible air about it. You know what I mean? Like Burley always, because when he was in, when he was in Florida, you know, or Miami or wherever, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, it, when he was in Chicago, it, it's sort of, I don't know, it, it's hard to describe because to me, for Hudson intangibly, and me having watched more of Hudson, he was also an outstanding fielding pitcher. So you had somebody that had the look of it. Like he always struck me when he retired. I always had this impression that he won't make the Hall of Fame, but he'll be in the discussion for a long time. Like he'll be on the ballot for a while. I'm not so sure about that now. With Burley, I never quite got that impression. I never quite got that impression. And this is completely, and that's the thing, like we were talking about off, uh, you know, before we started recording, like so much of this is based off your own experiences, the eye test, 
The eye test to me says Hudson is just a nose ahead of Burley in terms of looking like a Hall of Famer. Mm. Burley had that incredible, you know, 2005 World Series perform. Like, you know, it was just. It's so interchangeable, the two of them. So I feel like if I voted for one and not the other, I would be being disingenuous or I would I would be mitigating the standard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I mean, I think if, if there had to be one for the other, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you had to pick one and leave one off for me, it'd be Burley, right? Give me Burley over Hudson, but but I totally understand everything that you're saying. I just, Burley was just a different breed of pitcher when he was out there. Right. I mean, uh, I think just, yeah, with the, with the pickoffs and then consistency, right. I mean, it, I mean, the one thing that I'll, I mean, if we're, if we're willing to talk about people that have been around a long time, like Omar Vizcal, you're bringing him up again, but if, if consistency and longevity is something that's important, then the reliability of Mark Burley has to be a selling point. That's I mean, true. Yeah. I mean, what he had 15 consecutive seasons with 30 starts, only three other pitchers have ever done that. Cy Young, Warren Spawn and Gaylord Perry. Right. I mean, it's not like I'm talking about anybody recently, right? I mean, Gaylord Perry a little bit, but I mean, these are, I mean, these are, those are pretty crazy numbers to, I mean, to be able to make 30 starts every year, I get it back when people are making 40 plus, but I mean, to make 30 starts every year when really only 34 are available to you for 15 straight seasons, I mean... Yeah, there's some, nice. there's something to be said for that, and and I agree with you. I don't think I wouldn't feel good. And one of the reasons I didn't vote for either was because I wouldn't feel good voting for one and not the other. You know, and, yeah. and I think that's what makes their cases so difficult is that you're almost splitting the decision there. So yeah, yeah. Um, so so for me, Burley over Hudson because he could win. Basically, you're going to win sixty percent of his starts, and he showed up for every one of his starts. Pretty yeah. important. So to me, that's a Hall of Famer. Can't can't argue with that. So um, we're so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about the folks that uh, did get votes. Uh, so we'll be right back. back and uh so jim the uh, moment no one has been waiting for it is the official uh, vote tally of um whom who got votes on the ballot on my uh ibwaa ballot so let's just right. let's just run it down real quick i'm going to start with uh the uh bane of my existence as a out-of-market braves fan in philadelphia during my formative years in the early 2000s mr bobby abreu and um one thing that i think goes underappreciated about bobby abreu in particular because he's not a guy like when he popped back up on when he popped up on the hall of fame ballot i thought oh shit bobby abreu was really good and he was really good from 1998 to 2009, his average per season, he averaged 156 games per season. So he was, I didn't, I underestimated how durable he was. 
21 home runs, 28 stolen bases, and a triple slash of 301, 406, 497. Right. He got MVP votes seven times over those years. Won a gold glove, silver slugger, and two all-stars. So Bobby Abreu gets vo- gets gets a vote because for his just sheer consistency. And when you think about it, kind of underappreciated consistency during those years. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's uh, the Abreu career. I mean, we've talked to it before on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> uh, it just, uh, I don't know. I think we're just, I don't know, spoiled with the high quality that he brought every day, I guess. I mean, I really, it's just like Abreu was Abreu, but Abreu was Abreu every day for like, I mean, what a, was it 22 seasons or something right i mean the steals is what got me i i did not i I always kind of thought of him as like a slow thumper type of hitter but he averaged 28 steals you know uh, during an era where stolen bases were pretty you know steadily declining in some in some regards so um especially for a corner outfielder too you know it wasn't your, your source of steals wasn't always your left fielder you know what i mean yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, not not a spot where you grabbed him from. Um, you know, uh, it's just yeah. Bobby Abreu is just yeah, he just uh, consistent man. I mean, yeah. you're gonna get damn near a full 160 games on him. I think he twice played every game, right? Um, I think he played under 150 or played 150 games. One, one, two, three, four, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, thirteen of his. 18 seasons in the majors. So, um, it just posted numbers, man. I just, I, his walk count it impresses the heck out of me. It, you never really realize how many walks he had until you start realizing that if you, if you count the people that like how many walks anybody's had since a who's quit, I mean, a breeze over the top on that right i mean so he's always on base he's driving runs in he's moving over to second base and stolen bases he's just uh, yeah i mean he played he's right a contributor most of his career right i mean he wasn't like fleet of foot but he was good with his feet i mean it was solid with his routes and, and he had a good arm i mean you can't play right field in the majors right if they if you all know, the only thing you're bringing the bat and some speed is stick in left field but i mean if you can actually play defense you're going to get in right field too i mean it's just I, all in all Bray, you just I, I, it's, it's underappreciated by so many and to me one of the easiest boxes to check off if yeah i'm voting for hall of fame i get that he's probably going to be lucky to get i don't know what's he going to be lucky to what did he get last year you got that marked down real quick. Uh, I I don't have it handy to be honest with you. Five point five percent. He's barely on the ballot. Yeah, he'll, right. he he he's he's kind of like destined to. He seems primed to go the way of the offensive Andrew Jones track, where you know you just kind of like steadily inch up, and hopefully you get a big jump one year. We'll see. Um, yeah. So yeah, I hope so. So I'm glad he's still on the ballot. He deserves to be on the ballot, and to me, he's an easy choice for Hall of Famer, and I doubt that he's going to get there at the, at starting off this way but man i really hope the case comes up for him that he gets there good year to gain some ground um so next uh, next up is uh todd helton um you know depending on how you classify larry walker you know i mean a lot of people consider him a rocky but he was an expo um 
you know, among other teams. So, you know, if he, depending on how you classify him, he may be, the, he's arguably the greatest Rockies hitter ever. Uh, career 316, 414, 539, triple slash. Played in, and this is the thing that gets me. I get the course field. I get it. And I, and I hear people loud and clear on the splits and all that. But, I, you know, think about it logistically. This is where we got to step away from the numbers just a little bit. Helton played in an era where loyalty to one team was praised. You know what I mean? Like it was like if you played your whole career with one team, it was considered a big deal. Um, So let me, you know, why are we punishing him for doing what at the time was considered to be the honorable thing to do? You know, this is the era you know, that he played in that was, you know, post strike, you know what I mean? And, and people were still getting on players about their salaries and free agency and all this other stuff. I just don't, I think it's about time we started. We don't need to shed. We need to be aware of the cores effect, but to continue to penalize a franchise because of the altitude of their park is is going, it's getting a little tired to me. Yeah. So uh, Helton gets my vote. Yeah, oh yeah, hell, he's like it's my boy. How about man? I mean, the guy, the guy could do what he needed to do, right? He could play defense. He could scoop it at first, um, and then yeah, on his on the offensive side, yeah, whereas numbers inflated by course field, well, yeah, I mean, but so were everyone still, else's. <laughs> yeah, right. So was everybody else's. He was better than those guys, except for like a Larry Walker, right? I mean, he's just. Uh, uh, an incredible player, right? With just such an, a, a bonkers offensive career. Um, yeah, aided by the Coors Field. But, I mean, even with adjusted stats, I mean, this guy's still racked up over 60 war. He's still racked up an OPS plus over 133. Um, gosh, what else did, do we got on him? Uh, I think he had I more mean, walks than strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so too. Yeah, by 160 or something to that effect. Um, I mean, he's got the highest batting average of anybody on the on this ballot. He's got the highest on base percentage of anybody on the ballot. I mean, that, that this is a ballot's got Barry Bonds on, right? right. I mean, yeah, he, he's he, he did what he had. I mean, he did what he had to do, and and yeah, and and then on top of it, yeah, like you said, a single franchise player during these free agency years and and being able to move around and make money and everything else and being guys stuck still he's yeah uh easily a rocky hall of famer and easily on my hall of fame ballot um i i get why people struggle to put him on there uh but then again i've already seen two people cast empty ballots so right yeah the understanding is is at an all-time low here um, yeah, Helton to me is an open and shut. I feel like he, he gets, he gets my vote all day long. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you, if you're looking for any convincing, uh, at T H for Todd Helton, one seven H O F follow that guy on Twitter. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to get the information about Todd Helton. That even if you think you saw a hall of famer and you looked at just his regular numbers and everything else, this guy will ensure you that you watched a Hall of Fame career. And, and you watched an underappreciated Hall of Fame career. Yeah, of course, screwed him out of the appreciation that he deserves, even yeah. from people like us, right? I mean, I know for me, I didn't appreciate it. Um, 
I mean, I appreciate it while I was watching it. And then after I learned a little bit about Coors and then I was like, eh, and now that I'm a little bit older than Coors Field effect <laughs> and everything else, right? I'm back to like, God damn, man, I love that guy. I know. So he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. He is. Uh, so next up, uh, this is the last of the easy votes was uh, Andrew Jones. Uh, duh for me um greatest arguably greatest defensive center fielder of all time and i only say arguably because there's a lot of people i know and respect that would say willie mays is and i there's an argument to be had but i think andrew jones is better uh and we have ways to quantify that uh 440 434 career home runs and 823 ops that alone okay that alone could put you in like borderline, probably not, but borderline territory in over 5% or probably die on the ballot, right? But add 10 gold gloves. He's 22nd all time in defensive wins above a replacement. The other 21 ahead of him are infielders. He's first all time among outfielders. He's second all time in total zone runs. He trails only Brooks Robinson, And the next closest outfielder is Roberto Clemente. Now, to give you some quantity on that, his all-time total zone run rating is 253. Uh, Clemente's was 205. So he's a full, like, you know, 20% better than Clemente. So I just, I I run out of, you, you take that amazing defensive resume. You couple it with a presentable offensive resume, and yet we're still trying to fight to get him to like decent percentages. So yeah. it's it's you know Homer aside, if if he wore a Mets uniform, if he wore a Dodgers uniform, well he did wear a Dodgers uniform, regrettably. Um, if he wore a Twins uniform, it wouldn't matter. This dude was, a, and this is by the way, and I the, here's the thing this is a litmus for me with the hall is what this player is doing irreplicatable with Jones. It damn well might be because we're entering an era of positioning and shifting and things where like outfielders and defensive, like Jones did not have access to the scouting reports that Kevin Kiermaier does all due respect to Lorenzo Cain and Kevin Kiermaier and guys like that. They're amazing. But the sheer fact that we didn't even have defensive runs saved as an actual statistic until Andrew Jones's infamous age 30 season where he completely fell apart. Yep. Um, it just shows you what could have been. And so for me, I just, I just really think that Andrew Jones, what he did in an era where they insisted on just stacking everybody right where they were always going to be, what he did was irreplicatable. Yeah, and you say he fall apart. <laughs> he <laughs> really he's, did. He's, 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 he still won a gold glove. <laughs> still <laughs> I mean, did. That's true. I mean, whatever, gold glove, gold glove, schmuv, whatever. But man, I mean, they just got so used to giving it to him, and he still played it, right? I, Andrew Jones is an easy one. I mean, to me, it's just another no-brainer Hall of Fame. I saw what I saw, and everything. The thing that kills Andrew Jones all the damn time is, to me, is that he 
he played five seasons longer than he probably should have, right? I mean, yeah. he basically should have gone the Koufax route. If he'd have gone the Koufax route, he'd had 12 seasons in. They would all have been with the Braves. He would have finished with 61 war. He would have finished with uh, an OPS plus at 114 instead of 111. But, I mean, he still had 368 bombs. He would have still had over 700 extra base hits. I mean, he never cracked 2,000 hits if you add his last five years. So, I mean, right. sitting at almost 1,700 hits in just his Atlanta career isn't that bad. I mean, you could almost take his 12 years in Atlanta and just make it a seven-year peak and just say, hey, man, we're going to take the Kofax route on this guy. Look at him in just that 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 span where it's like, okay, I don't get a seven-year peak from this guy because he really didn't have a 20, 20-year career. Right. You know, but – man, boy, you could just take a look at that 12 that he had with that one ball club and be like, sign that guy up. I mean, if he would have quit after his age 30 season and then waited five years and they stuck him on the ballot. I mean, he got 20% last year after getting like 7% the first two years on the ballot. I mean, I would say that if he just would have quit after his age 30 season and went to the ballot five years later after that, so he would have been on the ballot in 2013. He probably gets twenty percent his first year. Well, especially I mean, twenty thirteen, a year where nobody got nobody got uh, elected. He would have been right. a good he would have been a good uh, story. But I agree with you. I I feel like we're we're casting a lot on circumstantial things. Like yes, he he had a really bad last half of his career where he you know was overweight and he was reportedly having a lot of issues in the clubhouse. Um, you know, there was the big contract he signed with the Dodgers, not his fault. I don't, I never, ever, ever blame a player for taking a big contract. You give me a big contract and you fine. I am not going to argue with you, but, but the point is, is that you've got somebody that's doing something irreplicatable period end of discussion. I don't, there's not going to be another center fielder like Andrew Jones. So I, um, uh, I just feel like. It's time. It's an easy vote. It's an easy vote. There's yeah. other more complicated votes to discuss. Stand. Yeah, I watched a, I watched a Hall of Famer, and not only did I watch a Hall of Famer, I watched him play a Hall of Fame career, right? He right. had a good enough career to be on both ends of it, right? And he's not just a Hall of Fame player that got his career cut short for some reason, right? He had a Hall of Fame career. He's a Hall of Famer. Put the two together. Put it on your ballot. Check mark. Check, check. Simple. Yep. All right. So now... You know, I told you there's groups, right? Well, let, let's get to. I'm going to do the one that the last one that's not grouped together for me, okay? And this is one of those I don't feel good about, but I got to do it. Um, Kurt Schilling. He's a terrible, morally morally bankrupt person. But let's be honest, Jim. If we put him in the Hall of Fame, would he be the first terrible, morally bankrupt person we had put in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, no, by, yeah, by, <laughs> by no means, right? But I'm also a, a non-what-about guy, right? I'm, I don't really, yeah, I don't justify somebody else's wrongs for allowing somebody else's wrongs to be just a little less wrong, right? True, that's, yeah, I mean, no, and, and that's I mean, not, and that's not to spectrumize or, or or apologize for Kurt Schilling by any any stretch of the imagination here. But I think I think what we need to do. And this is, a, this is an, an argument that I always have with myself, with people like, like Schilling in particular. Because Schilling, Schilling has, is kind of like Bonds in that way, kind of like Clemens in that way. It forces us to set standards. It forces us to put a line in the sand like, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. 
you did this thing. That's terrible. And with Schilling, it was many things. Mm-hmm. And it is many things. He continues to be a total like boil on society. Um, so the thing is, is that you can't, what I have to look at is that what qualifies separating the performance from the person. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's hard because you don't want to reward and, and sort of like, you know, validate this, this terribleness. But you also like, I feel like there's a, there's a duty to be to the hall of fame to encapsulate all the good and all the bad. Okay. We, I I feel like we, we, we run this danger of writing revisionist history. You know, if, if we, if we decide based on character, right. Because, you know, for example, like Kurt Schilling, the 2001 world series is a very different outcome without Kurt Schilling. That's what they call history altering. Um, the, you could go back and, you know, the guy had three, 300 strikeout seasons. All right. A career three, four, six ERA, fine, whatever. But what jumps out at you is 133 innings pitched three world series titles. So I mean, sorry, this is the postseason resume, 133 innings pitch, three world series titles, a world series MVP and a 2.23 ERA. When you have that much exposure to the postseason and you perform that well, you are literally changing the history of the game single-handedly. So I, you know, I, I get it. There's some things, okay. There has to be a line in the sand. And I think Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson, there's your line in the sand. No gambling. You can't gamble period. End of discussion. Oh, yeah. that, that's gotta be the non-negotiable. Yeah. Everything outside of that is subjective. Is Kurt Schilling a terrible person? Yes. Is he revolting in so many ways? Yes. Has he done anything to actually compromise the sanctity of the game? No. I guess that's a, that would be an opinion. That is an opinion. That is an opinion. And I, and I, and I understand the other side of this, where I understand the other side of this. I get it. But I, I, it's the revisionist history thing that kind of makes me unpleasantly, again, because it's about standards. We have to. We, I feel like we have to uphold a certain standard and apply it across, because then we can just pick and choose when we enforce it on, and that does nobody any service. Yeah, I think that that line, like like you said, with P. Rose gambling that line's been drawn right i mean but at least that line's been drawn right i mean right. is it not time to try to finally draw that line on you know what is kosher outside of baseball that still allows you to still get into baseball hall of fame right i mean th- th- to me there has to be a line right i mean you can't not have a line we don't have a line right now but we can't not have a line forever right because i mean i will always go back to the person that 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 said okay you, you watch a little bit of football it's like i, I watch a little bit of football so do you think darren sharper had an nfl career that was worthy of the hall of fame well kind of yeah when you really look at it yeah he does would you let him into your hall of fame with all those rape allegations and all the stuff that he did. Hell no, no, I wouldn't. Right. Right. That's an easy line to draw. Right. Okay. 
great career, unbelievable at the NFL, not getting in the Hall of Fame. Holy shit. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. At some point, that line's got to be drawn with Kurt Schilling. Right. I mean, he's the one that's pushed it harder than anybody else in a, in an era where we can talk about it. Right. We can't talk. We can't go back and 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 talk to Ty Cobb and be like, hey, man, you might be a little bit less racist or anything. Like that. <laughs> we don't have that luxury anymore. What we have is we have Kurt Schilling alive and well sitting on our Hall of Fame ballot. And we have a chance to be able to establish that line. Which side of the line are you willing to let him get on in representation of baseball? And for me, yeah, did he have a Hall of Fame career? Yeah, duh. (laughs) But for me, would I put him on my ballot? Well, that's a fair, and that's a fair counterpoint. Like, I I definitely see what you're saying with that. I, I think. I think we do have to have some kind of line in the sand. You know what I mean? I, I don't disagree with that concept. What I, what I, what I worry about is that, that the horse is so far out of the barn on this mm-hmm. that rather than, you know, it's almost like the game, the hall to me, and I've said this multiple times, it's a time capsule and time capsules don't always have, there's a time capsule somewhere with like, terrible horrible racist literature right yeah. that someone's gonna dig up and they i'm sure they had the best intentions whatever you know you know how yeah. you've you've heard these bullshit excuses before but yeah. you know a per, all right perfect example my 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 three-year-old and my three-year-old uh we, we turned on aladdin last night and now disney plus has, you know, taken to, rather than removing this content, okay, the, the Aladdin, for example, uh, because it, it appropriates a, a Middle Eastern culture in an offensive manner. And, and it does the same with some other, they put this disclaimer on here and it, and it makes you read this disclaimer. It says, look, your movie's not going to start until for like 15 seconds, you got to read this thing here. I think that what Disney did there, and, and it says, you know, it wasn't okay then it's not okay now, you know, and and I respect that. And, you know, as a white cisgendered guy, it's hard to kind of, you know, I kind of got to thread this needle a little bit with the argument, but you know, the, it's what ties the generations together. Like we're not going to sit here and act like we can't cancel Aladdin. Mm -hmm. We can't, you know, as a culture, you, you can't, you can't, cancel it just because it is has such a hold on our culture you know uh, of kids movies so you go back any kid born after 1986 watched it watched aladdin yeah you know we can't say we didn't and we can't say that we didn't enjoy it you know when we were kids yeah so i guess what that it almost becomes a time capsule for that era so the hall in general with a, someone like Kurt Schilling, I completely agree that line needs to be drawn. We need to, we need to represent the game in a positive light. But I think it's also the game's duty to just say like, look, if we're, we're not going to, if we're going to include this, then we need to include all the bad things that came with it. Almost like disclaimers. And uh, because there's a lot of people out there that think Kurt Schilling's a great guy. He's oh, yeah. just fighting for the conservative cause and all that stuff. I'm going to say stuff. I'm going to be nice. But um, ultimately, I think what it boils down to for me is your point is a completely fair and valid, and I agree with it. Yeah, yeah. It's just I, I don't have a problem with the going either side of the fence on it. I really right. don't. I really don't. I it mean, depends on my, how you view the hall. Yeah, it's my ballot. 
I don't put him on there because I mean, to me, it's not political what he's saying, right? It's hate. So, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're spewing hate then, you know, I'm going to put you in, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's, you know, Darren Sharper, right? I mean, it's a different version of, well, it's, of, it's not what the shit, but yeah, it's a different version, but it's the same, same veracity of what the shit, you know? Yeah. It, it's on the same line of what the shit, right? I right. mean, it's on the, it's on, it's just a step too damn far, right? Yeah. Darren Sharper's steps are way too damn far, no way. but Kurt <laughs> Schilling's are too damn far too. I'm sorry for me, for me, it's just, you have to represent what, what the game wants you to represent and the game needs you to represent, you know, that you're a person of, that includes everybody and, he is the opposite of that. He is very so, much the opposite. I agree with yeah. you, and I and I, and you know I can't disclaimer it enough uh, that I, I don't. I in no way agree with him, and I I think he's a he's a just a scumbag of a human. Um, uh-huh. But it really just it really just does depend on how you view the hall. I view the hall in a in a strictly objective sense. It's a museum. I mean, so right. I mean, if people put him in, I'm not going to be upset about it. It's a museum. That's where baseball players that do amazing things are supposed to end up, right? right. So, if Kurt Schilling ends up in there, I'm not going to celebrate that he ends up in there. But I'm also not going to celebrate if he doesn't end up in there. It's not like I, I hate the guy to that extent or anything like that. I just wish he wasn't. Well, a- you're either old enough when you go to Cooperstown and you see that he's in there. You're either old enough to know that he's a dumbass, or it's your responsibility as a parent to tell your kids he was a dumbass yep. and, 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 you know, we got to go from there with it. So, um, yeah. So Kurt Schilling in, in on my ballot and that's the last. And so there's, that's the last of the ungrouped. Yep. These last three are group are, are kind of in the same group. It's, it's kind of like the same, uh, sort of uh, dilemma that I had with Hudson and Burley. I feel like you can't vote for one you know, and say that you're consistent. You have to either vote for all three or none of the three. And the three that I'm talking about, I'm just going to fire off the names. I'm going to circle back here. Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa. Manny Ramirez, one of the most consistent power hitters of his era. He's got a fantastic postseason resume. I remember when he was just on the Dodgers and just, just dismantled the Phillies in the postseason uh, 555 career home runs. He's got a 996 OPS. He led the league in OPS three times, and then batting average home runs and RBIs once each in different years. Gary Sheffield, he's not quite as impressive as Manny, but you can't have Manny without you can't have you know uh, Manny without Gary, and vice versa. 509 home runs. He won a batting title in '92. He won the OPS title in '96. Sammy Sosa, we can't, not just because of the other two, but because we can't justify someone like Mark McGuire knowing what we know now and not Sammy Sosa. I, there's a lot of reasons that Sosa got kind of the raw, the, the sharper end of the stick with a lot of this. And some of those reasons are valid, but some of them are very not valid and they have a lot more to do with melanin than anything else. Um, but, you know, 609 home runs. He hit 60-plus home runs three times, and he was 98 World Series MVP. They're the, they did roids. I get it. All of these guys are either tested positive 
or damn sure would have tested positive. Um, I just, I feel like you, again, you can't not, you either got to vote for all three or you got to vote for none of the three if you're going to be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Sheffield, Sosa, and Manram, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of the same cases amongst them, right? I mean, the only difference maker for me is that, that Manny, after everything was illegal, uh, still got popped twice, right? And right. I get it. I get it. Why? I get why he was trying to keep up, right? But, I mean, you can probably safely assume, I mean, that all of them were doing something. Um, but, you know, the proof really falls with Manny that he was, right? Two failed tests after it was illegal. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean three i mean the three great careers right i mean who when they weren't watching sammy and and man ram and gary sheffield and their primes wasn't like this is flipping awesome right, right? i mean people were, were imitating these guys left and right i mean gary sheffield's batwag i mean sammy guilty <laughs> yeah right who didn't try it right? right i mean who didn't try it? you weren't trying to play you know you were trying to be a like a, a baseball player if you weren't i mean even the old guys are like you know that weren't playing ball anymore we're like i'm gonna go pick up a bat and pretend like i'm gary sheffield i mean it just it was cool as heck man sammy sosa with the kiss you know right the the, the skip there's run. not a latin yeah. kid in the world that wasn't doing that home run skip you know oh, and it, i feel like you like you, we touched on it a little bit you know the intangible contribution especially that these three brought to the game I get it, but at some point, I'm of the belief we got to throw the steroid stuff out. If you can't prove it beyond the definitive, like you, you just, if you can't prove it, because nobody can prove it, you yep. can't prove who was, who wasn't. We're going to be constantly having this again, loose standard of like, yeah, Manny was dumb and he got caught twice, and I don't even think he would argue against that. Well, maybe he would. I don't know. He's he's yep. dumb. Um, you know, Sosa was too proud, you know, to, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard line to walk, man. And I'm, and I think we're just exhausting ourselves by saying this guy can go in, but this guy can't, this guy can go in because this guy can't. Why? Oh, well, the same reason is for both as steroids. Yeah. We got yeah, a two edged stores here, you know? Yeah, steroids ends up being the issue with all three of these guys and in, in from everything that I've gathered, right? From listening to people and voters and everything else, steroids the issue with all three of these. So if I mean if you took the steroid thing and you had to throw it out and you looked at these three careers, how do you rank them? Um uh for me? Yeah, which one's I think you, second, third to you? Well, they're all three ranging from bad to all bad to legendarily awful on defense. So you kind of got to throw <laughs> that out, right? Um, Sammy Sosa's underrated. I mean, I'm he, sorry, man. He, he, his defense, he, he can't play right field if he can't throw. Okay, fair can, enough. Fair can, enough. So so we'll we'll move the range over. He's also, you know, for 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 every advantage that you give him for a defense, I'm going to take away on strikeouts. Oh, yeah. uh, because so like he's a he's he's probably the most flawed of all these players. I'd you know, agree. he's the most flawed, even though he has the highest home run total. Yeah. I think Manny Ramirez is the best hitter of the group. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't I think that the numbers bear that out. He's the best objective hitter. I think Sheffield is the best overall player. 
Um, I think, I think that he contributed a little bit more on the base paths. I think he was a little bit more, uh, versatile maybe. Um, I'm stretching a little bit here, but I think I'd probably put Manny cause he was just so leaps and bounds above. I probably put Manny first, Sheffield second and Sosa third. You know, that's exactly where I'd be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, the one thing about Manny is like, yeah, defense was terrible but everything else was just so much better it was it was re- it was to watch if so, you took yeah. now think about this this is what kind of bugs me out if you took and and this is a little bit of a stretch but but it's not as much as you'd think he's kind of like a ted williams type figure in that way manny is where if you took the steroids away, but if you took the steroid allegations away, but you, uh, he put up the same numbers. All right. If he didn't have all these clouds around him, he's Ted Williams. He, I mean, he's worse in the field. Sure. But I mean, Ted Williams wasn't that great in the field. Mm -hmm. So you figure that I can't say that about anyone else. I, you know, I can't say that about Sosa. You can't say that about Sheffield. Manny Ramirez, and you could say you hit more home runs because of the steroids. Okay, fine. I'm not talking about the player. I'm talking about if you said, if you showed this to anyone that didn't know anything about steroids and said, these numbers versus these numbers, what do you think? These are two, these resumes are more comparable than people think. Oh, yeah. 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 They're definitely all tied together in that manner. Right. Yeah. So it's the steroids are, they're, they're all the same to me in a way. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. If and, and again, it goes back to this whole thing with me, Jim. If we're going to toss the steroids out, we need to be aware of them, but we need to under, we need to evaluate how much it really affects how we look at things. Because if, what if many Ramirez, sure. Many Ramirez evidentially did use like, this is an objective fact, but so were a lot of other people. So is he really notches above the competition yeah. or is he really just kind of playing to, you know, Ted Williams didn't drink. This is in the 1940s. Right. He didn't drink in the forties. <laughs> the, the inverse percentage, you know, for the people that weren't taking steroids were also, you know, probably the same percentage of people that weren't drinking in the forties. Yeah. So and if I got shot at while I was flying an airplane in world war two, I'd drink. Right. I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, no shit. I think ultimately, like what this year, when you take away a slam dunk candidate, it forces us to reckon with how we vote and how we really look at the hall. And that's why people like Kurt Schilling would be very easy to just push to the perimeter and just say, like, you know what? You're on the verge and you suck as a person. So you're out. You know, you, you, you know, you look at like many, you know, the, the three that I just talked about. Yeah, you're on the verge, but you did steroid. Yeah, you're gone. Like, see ya. There's gonna be a real reckoning here, I think, this year, because to the only thing worse than not voting anyone in is voting. Uh, excuse me. The only worse thing than voting some of these people in, like Kurt Schilling, is voting no one in. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to the last vote. The only guy I think that's really gonna get in this year, and that's Omar Vizquel. And for a guy with an 82 OPS plus and a def- 29 defensive run saved, is it 29 or 24 and a half? I forget. Um, 
It's or, or defensive wins above replacement. I'm sorry. Oh, he's a uh, 29 and a half, 29 yeah. and a half. So like yeah. he's, I think he's ninth all time. Um, I mean, okay. Like I'm willing to like kind of turn the rock over. He didn't get my vote the last couple of years or the last year or whatever. Okay. I'm willing to give him a vote. And I, and I think that the, the closest thing to a cop out that the BBWAA could do this year is just vote Viskellen. <laughs> That's the safest route because, because I wrote about this uh, a few months ago. If they do what they're supposed to do and vote bonds in, I know that I have not watched a uh, Hall of Fame induction in my life, but I'll be damn sure to watch Barry Bonds and Derek Jeter get inducted at the same time. That'd be fun. Hell yeah. 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 I don't uh, oh, kill, I mean, is, I mean, does his numbers really bear Hall of Fame? Yeah. Right. But I test wise, I mean, I mean, if this was the year that you grew up watching, like it was the year that I grew up watching, right? I got to play my high school baseball days in the early years of Omar Vizquel, and and I was a shortstop, right? I mean, it wasn't just all me trying to pretend like that was Kyle Ripken, right? It was, yeah, Vizquel out there too. Uh, Flashy, beautiful glove, great arm. Towards the top of the lineup, stat collector guy, kind of like Derek Jeter was, right? I mean, the the, the guy, I mean, you know, the last couple of years, yeah, is he on my ballot for the BBWAA if I had one? Is he one that was on my ballot the last few years? No, he was off every time, right? right. But the ballot's cleared up. They put some other people on it. The scale's better than the people that they added to the ballot this year for the most part in my eyes it's a hall of famer i'd be willing to move him onto my ballot yeah and i think you you ultimately he was off just off my ballot and you know like you you and i were talking before we started recording i'm out of good reasons not to put him on and i think that's yeah. what it is is that you know and I'm, and i'm trying to hold myself to all of these things that i just said earlier where there there's a standard and I don't have a reason to not put him on anymore. And I think that's what it is. And, and, uh, and that's how it'll ultimately bear out for Vizquel. I think enough writers will look around and say, you know what, this is probably the only guy that's not going to be controversial. That's not going to be like a, you know, some sort of like, you know, flawed argument thing. And you, and you could put him next to Jeter and Jeter can have his little moment in the sun. So, um, yeah, you could still feel like you actually, I mean, you're watching a Hall of Famer get elected into the Hall of Fame. You could still right. feel it, yeah. like that, right? It doesn't yeah, feel I mean, like a, uh, it doesn't feel like you, uh, you just gifted it to him or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, does his OPS and OPS plus? Nah, man. I mean, was that really ever going to be a strong suit? Nah, True. Nah, yeah. Right? It was never going to be that. He was going to be a, a defense first guy, glove arm first guy with singles and, and the ability to walk once in a while. I mean, like he stole over 400 bases. It wasn't like he was terrible on the base pass, right? So, I mean, but I mean, is he kind of the ultimate stat collector at the same time? Yeah, but you know what? That's Hall of Fame worthy at the same time. So, I, you know, was, I, at least if I was watching Jeter go in with – with uh, Vizquel, I'd feel like, well, at least I, I mean, I watch these two Hall of Famers play, and they, they, they belong in Cooperstown. I could live with that, right? Yeah. So it's a choice that every, I think, universally, no one's thrilled about, but everyone can live with. 
And I think that's yeah. probably the best way to describe not just his, not just his Hall of Fame candidacy, but kind of his career overall. Good. Nobody's going to be mad about it. But, you know, nobody's nobody's all-time 90s team has Vizquel at short. Yep, exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. So, All right. Uh, well, we, we missed a couple people, I think, that need to be mentioned. Oh, my God, really we did. Fast. Okay, yeah, real, real quick. I, I, I mean, I grinded about Scott Rowland in the first half of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, 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 it was such a no-brainer. It was such a no-brainer to me. I was like, yeah, all, all, you know, yeah, definitely. Um, it's just a, it's a crying shame that it's taken as much to get to where he's at, and it still feels like there's a long road ahead for Scott Rowland. Fuck. Yeah. That about your, that about sums up how I feel about like. I mean, fuck. if you really, if you wanted, if the eye test is the reason why Omar Vizquel's on your ballot, then the eye test is enough to get Scott Rowland on your ballot too. Except Scott Rowland could also hit. So. Right. Funny how that works, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Rowland to me is just such a no-brainer. I don't under. But then again, you know, like you said, this is it's silly. Um, yeah. So stick them on. The only then, one, obviously. The only one I don't want to Jeff Kent. I voted for him. That's that. I don't care to defend it. I just did. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're, yeah, I mean, if you are worried about, I don't know, if you're worried about him dropping off the ballot, I can see where you'd vote for him. I mean, he's on his eighth year on the ballot. He isn't going anywhere. Yeah, he's never. He's not getting in. He's not getting knocked off. They had a guy had a great career. I can, I could see justifying putting on my ballot. If you're hard up for, if you're, he's just one of those guys. I can't not vote for him, but like. When he falls off the ballot, I'm not gonna like write some soliloquy about what an injustice it was. He's he's probably gonna he's almost certainly gonna fall off, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a great career, right? Did, didn't have a Hall of Fame career, and I'm not shocked that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Some people think he had a Hall of Fame career, and I'd be all right with him being in the Hall of Fame. He's borderline to me, and I'm a big Hall guy. So yeah, there you, you know, go. I, yeah, I'd vote for Jeff Ken if I've got room. But I'm there's home. there's one name in particular, Jim. There's What's one that? name in particular that really that that needs needs to get some traction. Oh man, there's got to be it's got to be my favorite one. It's because... obviously your favorite one, Billy Motherfucking Wagner. Billy Wagner. I mean, it's just. I mean, we talked earlier about Tory Hunter needing Andrew Jones maybe to get in to help his cause a little bit, and I felt like yeah, Tory Hunter getting in would help Andrew Jones's cause a little bit. Well, for the same reason why I would think that Tory <laughs> Hunter would help Andrew Jones's cause. Hoffman already did that a few years ago now with with getting in. I mean, the only thing that Hoffman's got is more saves, more save opportunities, and then he's got uh, a few more innings, uh, so a little bit more longevity. I mean, really not that great of a postseason career, on you know, same as Billy Wagner. But it, I mean, everything else is Billy Wagner. I just don't get how seventy six percent of the people that were voting three years ago were able to put Trevor Hoffman's name on there and get him into the hall of fame and not realize that they were actually voting for, it was less deserving, you know, than Billy Wagner. And here we are with Billy Wagner. So, um, yeah. damn, man. I, I, I mean, yeah. Well, what a career, man. I mean, what a career. I mean, of people that have struck out a thousand people, nobody has struck them out at a higher percentage than Billy Wagner has. Yeah, the next five guys on the list are all starting pitchers. Why? Because it isn't easy getting to a thousand strikeouts as a reliever. There's your longevity. 
what do you want, right? So you got longevity, you've got ridiculous stat rates, but you know, other people are gonna pick out his nine hundred and three innings pitch that isn't a thousand. I made up a number, so he, he didn't get right. four digit number, <laughs> so it ain't good enough, right? When yeah. did when did a thousand innings become the three hundred hitter? Right, yeah. become that right. Um, yeah, he had you had a terrible postseason career. The dude got thirty one people out. Right? I mean, it wasn't like he had a long postseason career. He had pitched like ten and a third innings. I mean, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't the best ten and a third innings anybody's seen. But that's what we call a short sample size, right? Small sample size, right? It's just it's it's ridiculous to try to take that. So if you want to if you want to take his postseason and amplify that he had such a crappy postseason, then go ahead, just add it up to his regular season numbers. Hell, screw it. Just multiply his terrible postseason numbers by five, and then add that to his regular season numbers and make one big number out of it. And you still got a better pitcher than Trevor Hoffman. It's just yeah, no, I agree with you. It's. It seems, you know, it's funny because when I was when I was prepping for this episode, he was the first name that I highlighted because I was just like, duh, you know, moving on like him, Roland, Abreu, moving on like, okay, next one's like it was it was the zero debate. It it seems if you're fine, you want a small haul for relievers. Okay, cool, man. I get it. But um, Billy Wagner is part of any hall in any configuration that you make for relief pitchers. And that is the end of the discussion as far as yeah. I'm concerned. If you yeah, have, you're worried about any standards being set that you've already set a standard that obviously gets him in. Right. If you're going to be one of those guys, like, I mean, our friend of the show, Keith Law, who only believes that there's one relief pitcher worthy enough of the hall. And that guy's Mariano Rivera because of <laughs> war, right? Or whatever, instead of recognizing that the guy has a position on the field like so many others do, relief pitchers are positions. Um, it's just, uh, it mean, can't be that simple. It's never that simple. And Keith, Keith, if you made it, Keith, if you made it an hour and 13 minutes into this podcast, come back on the show. (laughs) Please do. Please do come back. I just, uh, to me, it's like saying that, oh, well, if he doesn't measure up to Mariano Rivera, it doesn't mean that he he can't, he can't get into the Hall of Fame. Right. Bullshit. I mean, it's, that's walking around being like, well, Andrew Jones, man, a pretty good center fielder, but. Did he post the exact numbers that Willie Mays did? Oh, right. shit. That's too bad. That's the standard I've set. Right. And right. all of a sudden, you look into the Hall of Fame and it's like the best player from every position standing there. Right. right. That's all it is. And Harold Baines is there. Yeah. And Harold Baines, Baines is there. there. He's sucking up the DH spot because yeah. Yeah, Edgar wasn't good enough because he didn't play third. I don't know. I, it got me. It's just, it's ridiculous to think that, you know, that, that Joe Morgan isn't a Hall of Famer because he wasn't Rogers Hornsby. Un, un, yeah, well, unbelievable. So, so yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think that, I think with him and the Billy Wagner thing, and this is totally biased because I run an account for Billy Wagner Hall of Fame, too. <laughs> but I think people are recognizing it. I think we're seeing it more. Um, we're seeing the voting turn around a little bit, even before the ballot cleared up completely last year and got to where it is this year. We saw a jump for him. Um, and we see more people that are in the comments now that are like, hey, man, what the heck? Why'd you leave Billy off there, right? Um, uh, it's more people are turning to it. And, uh, and then if you look at uh, Ryan Spader, right? Ryan Spader's got the, uh, the player ballot that he uh, runs on his site. 
where he gets ex players or current players or whatever. They could be anonymous, non anonymous. They just have to be players that are coming in and they're putting together their votes based upon if they were a BBWAA rider, right? They get 10 votes and, and go at it. And we're starting to see like 60% of them are putting Billy Wagner on there and then they're all replying, like, I mean, I need to make some comments about my ballot. But Jesus, man, I stood in the box against Billy Wagner. If that's not a Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, right. right? I mean, <laughs> these are the, these are the guys that faced him, right? Not, you know, back to Michael Hunt. Yeah, not Michael Hunt or Dan Shaughnessy or some silliness. Putting up a shit ballot, you know, going, yeah, that's not a Hall of Famer. I watched him. And yet everybody that played against him is like, holy shit, man, that guy had Hall of Fame stuff. And then right. he just he abused hitters for 16 years. Well, duh. Right. <laughs> put him in the yeah. Hall of Fame. So, yeah, so put Billy in. Good, good Lord. Other than that, uh, I think – uh, Andy Pettit has a strong case, and I don't think we really covered him as much. But yeah, if, Pet- Andy, if Andy Pettit's got a case, so does Hudson. And, and exactly, P- Pettit. More. Pettit to me was a little, a, a little easier to leave off of that group there. Um, you know, marginally better strikeout rate. You know, ERA almost a half a run higher. Um, yep. I, I think ultimately, Pettit will be lost to the sands of time. He he'll suffer the fate that Messina maybe should have dot, dot, dot. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, Pet would have been in a first or second ballot hall of famer 50 years ago with that win loss percentage. Yeah, I agree with you. So that does it for us, uh, tonight. Uh, and, uh, appreciate everybody listening again, the final ballot, uh, Abreu, Helton Jones, Kent Ramirez of the Manny variety, uh, Roland Schilling, Sheffield, Sosa, Vizquel and Wagner. Thank you, everybody, for listening.